1 John. That's not the Gospel of John, but instead his, one of his first epistles here, one of his first letters, which is 1 John chapter 4. If you'll go to Revelation and start turning back, you'll find 1 John there. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse 7 and move down to verse 12. <clears throat> Notice these words here from Scripture found in 1 John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this... The love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word, Your revelation, Your revealing of Yourself to us in these words. We pray, Lord, that You would bless now this reading of Your Word the preaching of it, and our response to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. About a year ago, I watched a movie called The Vow. It's a chick flick, so don't judge me too quickly. Uh, I'm not a single man that's watching The Vow. Rather, I have a wife at home and So she gets her way with movies every once in a while, and so I was uh, stuck watching this movie called The Vow. The the, the basic storyline, if you've not had the pleasure of viewing this, is um, that these people are madly in love, this couple, they're married, and one day they get into a car wreck about three or four years into their marriage. In this car wreck, uh, she gets a brain injury to where she can't remember anything from about four years back. So, in other words, she can't remember anything for the last four years, which is the time she met this guy and then subsequently married him. And so, therefore, she has no idea who he is. She wakes up from the car accident and she has no clue who this guy is. He's sitting here with a wedding band on saying, you know, he loves her and he's so glad she's back and, he, and she has no idea in the world who, who this guy is. And so the rest of the movie is basically him trying to win back her love and try to prove you know, that, hey, we were actually married. Here's the pictures. Here, here's this. We, we went here and this is a special place for us. And she, she just she can't remember. I thought to myself after watching that, because I watch all movies critically, I thought to myself, you know, that's us. When we come crashing into sin... When we go our own way, do our own thing, and sin comes crashing into our life, when we have this accident that we never intended to happen, but it happened, 
we forget God's love for us. We don't remember. And although He remembers and He's working to win us back, we forget. We ignore. We reject Him. And yet, the whole time, He remains faithful. He stays true. He stays to the course. You know, if we look around us in the world that we live in, there are signs of God's love all around us. I mean, you may have missed it last night, but there was a beautiful sunset. It actually happens every night, and you can document when it happens because if you go to the Weather Channel, they'll tell you when the sun goes down. And every night he paints in the sky this beautiful thing. If some of you get up early, you know he also paints something in the morning with various colors that are different from the evening. But every day all around us in God's creation, there is beauty. This beauty comes from one who created it that way for us. That's why man was created last. Not because he was an afterthought, but rather because he was the main thought And God places him in this world of beauty where he can actually study it, learn about it, love it, write about it poetically. You know, there's no squirrels today writing poetically about the trees they live in. We're the only animals that write beautiful things about the beautiful place that we live in because... God's beauty is seen all around us. There are signs everywhere that He loves us. Now, you know what a sign is. We have several signs around us today. We'll have some more back here directing you to ice and to food. But a sign points to something. It's not the thing itself. You know, that that sign says there's a bathroom, restrooms there. But that's not where you use the restroom. It's right here by the sign. You, You understand. Rather... The sign points to something. For instance, when you see the curve ahead sign, the curve's not there, it's ahead. Creation is not God. And this is where the pagans messed up. Mythology gets it wrong. And that is, they make creation God. They start worshiping. You know, hey, creation is beautiful. Creation is majestic. When you look up at the stars, you get this feeling. And so they worshiped it. No, it's a sign of God's love. It is not God. Now, here's the thing about creation is God did not create because He was bored. Some of us get this idea that you know God was by Himself and just thought, you know what, I'm tired of twilling my thumbs here. I need some company. No. God is complete and perfect within Himself. He needs nothing. And so you say, well, where does creation come out of this then? How do we know that it's, an, you know that it's based on His love? Well, the same reason that Jessica and I had a fourth son. We have four boys, which is why she gets to wear watch chick flicks uh, every once in a while because there's a lot of testosterone moving about the house constantly. And so... You know, we, we didn't sit down when we had three boys and say, you know what, we have so much money that we want to burden ourselves with another child. Or we didn't say to ourselves, you know what, our life is not busy enough. Uh, let's throw another kid in the mix. Um, we did not try to save our marriage through having another son. No, 
The fourth son came about because of an overflow of love. In other words, we liked the three kids that we have. We loved them. And we just wanted more. And you know what? God is the same way. He looks at creation. And the reason creation, the reason the sun rose this morning is not because of some mechanical mechanism in the world that we can locate scientifically that tilts things and keeps them in orbit. No, the sun came up this morning because God said, do it again. Let's do that again. This is great. He saw you and He said, let's do some more. I like that. Isn't that what the creation story shows to us in Genesis? He creates by His Word. He looks at it and then He says, well, that's good. That's good. And again, the second day, the third day, fourth day, this is good, good. The sixth day, this is good. The seventh day, He rests. He looks at everything He's made and He says, you know what? This is very good. You see, creation is not out of necessity. It's out of an overflow of His love. God's like a little kid. You say, what in the world? You know, my, my kids, if you... You know, Bobby knows this very well. He's the star around here for all our children. Number one, he has gum. And number two, he plays these little games that none of us parents were tired of playing, uh, which is the bounce on the knee game, right? They're, they're you know, doing this number. Yeah, 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 rock on. You know, and they're riding the bull or whatever the thing may be, the train. And, and, and when they get off his knee, what do they say? Do it again. Do it again. And so, you know, I've already done it so many times that my calf muscles are about to burst, so I'm done, you know. Uh, but Bob, he does it again. He does, and, and, they, and they get off. Do it again. Do it again. They don't get tired of stuff like that. You see, because of sin, because we've come crashing into sin, we're the ones who have grown tired of His creation. We're the ones who walk out here in this beautiful world that we live in. Yes, in Alabama. Yes, in Mississippi. Yes, in Louisiana. And all the places all over the world today. We walk out there and it's just humdrum. It's mundane. We're the ones who have grown tired and old. And God is like another little kid who's saying, do it again. The reason that the daisies keep turning out just the way they are, roses keep blooming just the way they are, and not something different is because He's not tired of it yet. The day that He does get tired of it will be the last time that the sun rises. He says, do it again. And so this morning we have an opportunity to enjoy what God has made. Not just what we've made. I mean, what we make is pretty cool. The iPhones and, and technology and concrete. But there's something about looking at the sign of creation and seeing how much He actually loves us. But you know what? That's not the clearest sign of His love. Not creation. If it were, then today we would just go out there and look at trees. We would go to Monsanto Mountain and just, you know, ride bikes. Which is what I would like to be doing today at some point. Mountain biking. But no, that's not... No, trees can't tell us anything. Mountains can't really tell us anything about the nature of God other than things just that He likes uniqueness. He likes color. He's an artist. These are some things that can tell us. But beyond that, we can't really know who He is. And so this is not the clearest sign that points to who God is. Rather, it's His Word. The Bible. His revelation to us. 
This is a clearer sign because it's in language, not in pictures. The first sign is kind of a, a picture sign. This sign is a letter to us. You know, if, if uh, you were in love with someone that was in the military and they went off on a deployment, or like here, we often uh, send people off on TDY, I believe it's called. Uh, and so, I don't know what that means, but I've heard it a lot, so I speak of it. But, but so we send people off, and here's the reality is, is, is they're gone for two weeks. Sometimes two, three months. Well, just imagine if we back it up historically, and we don't have our cell phones, we don't have email, we don't have constant communication, and all you can do is leave a letter. And there's something personal about a letter anyway, isn't it? We see so much digitized Information that when you finally see something handwritten, you're thinking, oh, check this out. And so they get sent off. They leave you a letter. Well, you're not going to read the letter that they left you and just throw it away. You're not just going to read it once. If you're in love with this person, you're going to start looking at the nuances of how hard they pressed the pen when they said they loved you and how they said they loved you and how they said they were going to miss you. And you're going to read it and reread it and try to interpret every little thing because that's all you've got. They're gone. They left you a sign. They left you a letter. Well, in a similar way, God has revealed Himself at certain points in human history. And then He finally comes Himself and He says, Guys, talking to His disciples, I'm going to leave for an undetermined amount of time but I've left you a letter to read it, to reread it, to interpret the little nuances, to know how much I love you. And so the Bible becomes for us this clearer sign of God's love toward us. It's not just a book of rules. If you think that, you've never read the Bible. That's just up front in the Old Testament, right? No, it's not about rules as much as it's about His love. And His love comes... Or sorry, those rules even come out of His love. When I tell my son, don't go out into the road! It's not because I hate him. It's not because I'm trying to make his life miserable, even though he may think so. It's because I don't want him dead. Because I love him. And I set certain boundaries and rules for Him out of love. This is what God has done for us in His holy Word. And yet, and yet, this is not the clearest sign of God's love toward us. Really? There's one more. Who is God Himself. This is not God. If it were, I would set it up here and we would worship it and leave. This is not God. This is a sign that points clearly to God. It is not God. God comes Himself. He doesn't just leave us a picture. He doesn't just leave us a letter. Instead, He Himself comes. He comes in the flesh. Not in just some appearing, but instead 
He incarnates Himself, wraps Himself in flesh for all eternity. Did we not just mention that in our Apostles' Creed? That even now, the One who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born, gestated, and then born in Mary, is also still seated in His human body in heaven praying for us this morning. That's actually what His job is doing right now. Is He's praying for us. He's in the flesh. You know as much as I do in this area that when we get thunderstorm warnings, tornado warnings, people get on edge because of April 27th a couple years back. And my kids, sadly, it's, you know, it's, it's, in one way it's kind of funny, but in another way it's, it's really pitiful to see how shocked they've been and how, how, how much of an impression those tornadoes made on them. Uh, you know, when, when, and when they hear thunder, they start calling. You know, they're serious business. I mean, they know it's not any kind of playtime. Uh, it could be serious. They know how dangerous those storms can be. And so, in the middle of the night, if it starts thundering, I hear my name. Daddy! Daddy! You know, um, getting more in distress. I don't shoot them a text message. Shut up and go back to bed. The meteorologist said it was going to be okay. You know. I don't throw a letter up there and say, read it and be quiet for crying out loud. No. Instead, what they want in that moment is not a picture. is not even a letter. They don't want a text message. They don't want me even hollering at them from a distance. What they want is me in the room. My presence in the room. God knows what we need. He knows that more than anything, we need Him. Amen. God is who we need. Not something secondary. Not something less than. We need God. And so God's clearest sign to us of His love is actually Jesus Christ who is a person come in the flesh, who now leaves us and goes back to the Father and sends the Holy Spirit to us to be with us for all time. Until the end of time. But sadly, with all of this good news, we tend to ignore it. Look, I... You know, this is all great and grand. You know, God has done all these signs for us. He's left us these markers in His world, in His letter, in the person of Jesus Christ. And yet, we just go about life as if He doesn't exist. What's wrong? What happened to us? We've crashed into sin. We've gone our own way. We've turned our face away from Him. And when that happens, things get rearranged. You know what happens in a wreck? Things get rearranged, tossed about, forgotten, lost. And this is the way that the Bible talks about sinners. They are lost. They have forgotten God. They don't know about His love. They are ignorant of His love or they ignore or reject His love. 
For a long time, I was like that. I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. And yet, I didn't understand the kind of love that God had for me. I thought he was playing a game like we do. You know, I do something for you, and then you do something for me. And so I thought it was based on what I did for God. You know, I didn't cuss as a teenager or drink or have sex outside of marriage. I did all the, the, the things that were required of me as a teenager, a Christian teenager, and I thought that was enough. I thought that's what he wanted. I do these things, and then he does this thing for me, which is save me. And God brought me to a very tough place when I was 17 years old. But a very good place. Much like He did with Peter. After Peter denied Him, He says, Peter, do you love me? He said, of course I do, Lord. Don't you know all the things I've done for you? I mean, I'm always the one who's kind of the spokesman for these crazy bunch of nutheads. You know? He says, no, Peter, do, do you love me, Peter? Well, of course. I mean, I go to Sabbath. I've, I've memorized most of your teachings, by the way. I plan on writing a book later. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done this. I've been a good boy here and been a good boy there. And Jesus turns to him a third time and says, Peter, 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 stop. 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 Do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep, Peter. Go out into the world and love others. We play this game with God. I do this and you do that. God isn't playing a game. God doesn't play games. He's God. By definition, He doesn't play games. Stop playing games with God. Do you love God this morning? I don't care if you sing or preach or give or serve. Do you love me? That's the question. Do you love me? And I had to answer that question. I had to look Jesus in the face when I was 17 by faith and say, you know what, Lord? I don't love you. I've done all this stuff for you. I say that I live for you, but I don't love you. And you're missing the whole boat. You're grasping for the signs without ever making it to the destination. Faith has an object. We're not obsessed with just being Christian. Christianity has a center. Our faith as Christians has a, an object, which is Jesus Christ Himself who is in the flesh. There is no clearer sign because Jesus is both the sign and the object. And yet, <clears throat> some of us don't know about His love, some of us ignore His love, and then some of us want to control ourselves too much. And you know how this way. Do you think that love works if you're a control freak? Really, by definition, you can see this in movies and books about love. Love is out of control, isn't it? I mean, I would never you know, talk on the phone to anybody uh, for four hours. And yet, I have before. 
because I was in love with that little lady that was sitting over here on the far left, who is my wife now, Jessica. I talked to her one time for four hours, all the way from Alabama to Mississippi, where I was going, and we talked the whole time on the. Phone. I would never do that now. I would. I just. I would die if I had to do that. I wouldn't do it. I just. But you know what? Love, when it bites us, is out of control. By definition, it's out of control. We even talk about the love bug. You're saying, man, you got to meet this girl, and then you finally meet her, and you're like, oh, this is the girl? You've been talking about it? I mean, they're, they're out of control. They, they just head over heels. They'll do anything. Love will do anything. It'll see anything. It'll see the good when nobody else can. But we want to control that. We want to protect ourselves. We've been hurt before. We've had a broken heart. People have hurt us. And we want to take control. And so we guard ourselves. We protect ourselves. We think we found something that's ours. One morning I woke up. Again, having four boys is always a surprise every day. Who knows what they've destroyed or burned or maimed in the house when we wake up. But nonetheless, I woke up one morning to, to a tap on the leg where Jackson who is my oldest son and the most trustworthy of them, he's tapping me saying, Daddy, Bertie, who he's referring to as Frank, who his real name is Baylor, but I call him Frank. They call him, uh, his brothers call him Bertie, and his mother calls him by his real name, which is Baylor. So, so he, says, he says, Daddy, Bertie is, is trying to cut me with a knife. And I thought to myself, you know, this is, this is the first thing in the morning. Um, I said, you know, you know, we got that uh, kitchenette set for them back in, at Christmas, and so they're playing with the with the plastic knives, only to to be jolted from my sleep to realize that we don't have a kitchenette set. We don't have fake knives in our house. We only have real ones. So I jump out of the bed. I run in there, and in the living room, standing beside the coffee table, uh, is Frank Baylor, Bertie, and he's dual wielding two. Paring knives, stainless steel, while he's sucking on his pasty watching Mickey Mouse. He's one and a half, all right? His brother's, uh, at the time, three and a half. Uh, he, his brother assumes position right beside him again. See, I told you. you know. So here I come into this situation where now he's got his brother beside him, he's got two stainless steel knives, and he's watching television. Now, what happens when you try to come and take something from a child. They draw back. This is mine. Right? What if I just continue to let him play? Oh, it's no big deal. I'm going back to bed, guys. No, no, no. He's going to kill his brother. Um, so what do you do here? I start approaching him with my hands out. And I said, sweetie, give me the knives. Give daddy those. You know, he thought he had found something really cool. I mean, he's the one, after all, who got into the dishwasher, opened it up, who knows how. This is Frank, after all, but some of you know that he does know how to do all kinds of crazy things. He gets into the dishwasher, goes to the back, pulls it out, and gets into the lockbox part where the knives are, and gets them out. This is his. He found it. This is cool. It's shiny. It's a great new toy to add to his other million toys. And so he thinks he's done something here. And I say, sweetie, give me the knives. Give daddy those. I keep approaching him, and I grab his little hands along with the knives, and I take them. Now, why do you do that? It's because he had already learned to trust his daddy. That's it. He didn't trust me if it would have been you. He'd have drawn back and hurt himself. 
You know what? That's us. This, that's us. We think in life we've done something. That we've found something. We've worked hard for it. It's mine. All mine. Sound familiar? Lord of the Rings, Gollum. He's the epitome of us in sin. Enthralled in sin. Everything is surrounded by us. Everybody's on our dime and on our demand. It's mine all mine, and we draw back, we close ourselves up, and we cannot experience God's love. Why? Not because His love is not being poured out. His love is always being poured out. The reason we can't experience is because this is our position. No. No. Just like in the garden. Go back to Genesis 3. When we first ascend as humans, what do we do immediately after? We go and hide. It's mine. We're Gollum in the depths of the mountain trying not to be around anybody because anybody can mess up our life. The only position for us as God approaches us this morning saying, sweetie, give me those. Give me that. Give me your job. Give me your children. You've made your children into an idol. Abraham apparently did this. You've made your job something you worship. You worship money. You worship pleasure. You worship leisure. Entertainment. Give me that. It's going to kill you. You're going to hurt somebody. Give me that, sweetie. And if our response is this, we're never going to experience His love. The only response is this. (laughs) This is a vulnerable position. And yet Jesus Christ Himself took on this position for us to prove God's love for us. Do you believe, do you know that God loves you? You, even you. We don't even love us sometimes. I don't even like myself sometimes. Stupid me. Dumb me. Why, could I, why did I say that? Why did I do God loves you. God likes you. <laughs> we often throw the term love around so much that it means nothing anymore. He likes you. It's not some kind of necessary thing He has to do. Oh, here comes Marshall again. <laughs> no, 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 no. He likes you. He loves you. And the only response back to Him is this. Open arms. Open heart. Some of us doubt that kind of love. We've never seen it before. We don't believe it. And the enemy would whisper into your ear this morning and say, that's not true. Look around you. When we don't go God's way, when we reject His love, we become empty. Many of you experience this in your life. It's just empty. Everything's going great. On the outside, you you think to yourself, I should be thankful. I should be happy. And yet I'm not. Why? Because you're running off of nothing. That's why. This world can never satisfy. Didn't I tell you that? It was just a sign. This world can't satisfy you. You were made to run off God. It's like putting water in your vehicle and expecting to go to work. It's not going to happen. 
your vehicle was made to run off of gasoline or diesel or biofuel, whatever. (laughs) You were made to run off of God. When you're not, you're on fumes. You're empty. Your life is empty. And you'll never be happy. Others of us feel deep pain and guilt because when we crashed into sin, when we when it took us where we didn't want to go, when it took from us something that we didn't ever mean to lose, we feel real pain. We feel real guilt over the people who we've hurt. Sin doesn't ever just hurt you. I wish it did. When I sin, I wish it only affected me. It doesn't. It affects my children, my marriage. It affects you. And you affect me. We're in this together. So what do we do? How do we respond to this good news? This great love that God has for us? It's by faith. You have to trust Him. Just like Baylor trusted me that day. He didn't stab himself. He didn't stab his brother. He didn't stab me. Instead, he gave up what he thought was his. Because he trusted his daddy. Do you trust the Father? He's a good Father. We're the ones who are spoiled brats, not recognizing what He's done for us. That's on our end, not on His. He has laid down His own life for us. He's given everything He can to us. He gives you the very breath that you breathe. And we spit in His face, we ignore Him, and we reject Him. Why? Why? Instead, this morning, trust Him. Open up your heart. Maybe it's the first time you've ever done that. You've played this game. Some of you have been in church all your life. You've heard about God's love all of your life. And you still don't love Him. He's not filled your heart with love. You're just playing a game. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? I've put you in a bad place this morning on friend day. It's a place you really can't escape. Not that we're going to lock the doors. Just to be clear. It's the same place I put my wife nine years ago. Well, really ten years ago. I've been married nine. Ten years ago, at my dad's church, I got down on one knee and I proposed to Jessica. I said, Jessica, will you marry me? Now, when you put somebody in that kind of position... There's no way out. There's no way you can't give an answer at that point. That's it. I mean, if you were just to stand there, that's an answer. If you were to run away, ah, you know, that's an answer. If you were to say, I'm going to just ignore this thing, you know, hey, where were we eating tonight? <laughs> that's also an answer. You know, I'd be sweating bullets. Whatever you do at that point, ladies, at the proposal point, is an answer. Now, what the Bible teaches about God's love is that, is that He is the husband. 
He is the male. He's the husbandman in this relationship. And we're all the ones being proposed to today. He's already gotten down on one knee. And many of you have tried to ignore that like it never happened. Many of you have turned away from that or just tried to act like everything was okay. And you know it's not. So what are you going to do this morning? His proposal is that He loves you and wants to be with you forever. It's the fairy tale of all fairy tales. It's what every person wants in the world is love. And what John tells us in 1 John is that love is not just something God does, like give us His grace, but rather God is love. And if you're to love and enjoy this world and love this creation and love your neighbor as yourself and love yourself and God, then you must have God because God is love. It's not just something He does or give out like candy. It's who He is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A three-personal relationship of holy love. (laughs) What an amazing story that God would become one of us to prove His love toward us. What are you going to do? Keep ignoring? Keep rejecting? Please don't. This morning, the only way to approach God, the only way to respond to God is the way of the cross. To lay down your life, to give up your life, to put your whole heart and faith in Jesus Christ this morning. Amen.